winter is here and energy costs continue to soar. Today, we talk to two lawmakers and entrepreneurs about their efforts to bring more sustainable energy projects to New England. Hello, I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Yes, Nathan. <laughs> I have a little fear. What's that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so COVID, home with the kids, all of that. My son's now in kindergarten. We're seeing a few more cases. We're, you know, and I'm like wondering, I don't know, this winter, are we going to have school closings? Are we, I mean, is it going to close? Are we going to, where are we going to be with this? And um, do I have to be around the children all the time? Exactly. <laughs> I don't know which I fear more, the pandemic or going through another shutdown with my kids. Uh, I love them dearly, but there's there's family togetherness and then there's, you know. And then there's COVID togetherness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. I mean, we, it, it seems no matter how much we try to protect, you know, we've got uh, a 12 and a 10 year old. So mm-hmm. 12 year olds fully vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. We are, but you know, we've had to protect our youngest. He hasn't had the opportunity. Right, Hopefully by right. the time this airs, he will. I know. And ours too. Um, we yeah. have our, his yeah. first uh, shot scheduled, um, and you know it's the first time he's been excited about getting a shot. So they're oh yay God. for that. Um, but <laughs> you know, him. in his class, they've had two COVID clusters in the school. They had an exposure in his classroom. My oldest had an. Uh, we got informed of an exposure in his after-school program. Oh Lord! And then in his actual classroom, and he's tested negative. Thank goodness. But it just, you know, after the summer, it just seems to be swirling around mm-hmm. you. And yeah, I, 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 I mean. Makes us nervous it a little does. bit. But at the same time, we're like, okay, they're handling it well at the school and all that. But at the same time, I'm like, hmm, well, if they were, if he was at home, then maybe we could work remotely for a while somewhere else. Somewhere <laughs> nice, you know, where there's maybe a ski hill or an ocean. or Oh, oh there you go. That's one way to solve minute. it. Wait a minute. I'm like, all I want for Christmas is <laughs> <laughs> to be healthy and for the schools to stay open, please. Yes, yes. thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we will do everything we need to do. I don't care. I don't care. Oh, man. Well, enough about us and our crazy lives. Yes. Let's get right into it. Let's um, dive into it. Latha Manjapudi and Paul Hodes have been working together in one form or another for more than a decade. Both are groundbreaking politicians. Latha, as the first state representative of Indian American descent in New Hampshire, now serving her fifth term representing Ward 8 in Nashua. Paul, as an attorney, entrepreneur, and performing artist who, as a United States congressman, was elected president of the historic congressional class of 2006. Today, together, rather, they have worked on campaigns, startups, consular delegations and international exchanges. Now they're proud to be working with some of the nation's leading commercial developers of net zero and commercial solar projects as partners with Shanti Energy. Latha and Paul, welcome. We are so excited to talk with you. We wish we had hours to do it, but we'll do our best to get it all in today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to be with all of you here. So first of all, uh, I'd like to start with Latha. Um, The... Indian American descent obviously is something that uh, that 
has made a difference, I think, in New Hampshire and, of course, through everything that you are doing uh, for young people and, and everyone around the state. But what in your upbringing in India um, do you feel that prepared you most for a very different life in the United States? Um, honestly, you know, if somebody talked to me 30 years ago and said, hey, you're going to be in the uh, U.S. and run for an office, I would have laughed in their face. <laughs> and so that's not me. But I grew up in a household where my father was a very strong Gandhian follower. And he instilled in all of us that uh, serving the humanity at large comes first. And, you know, and transparency, honesty, hard work. And I grew up in a traditional uh, South Indian home and youngest of seven. And uh, my father believed in us in six girls and a boy, and he educated every single one of us, Pers- you know, for, pushed us to educate, and he said, that is an asset it is. that nobody can take away from you. Yes. And I can't give you any asset, and this is what you'll have. That's amazing. You know, and as a single, uh, you know, low-middle-class uh, family mm-hmm. to feed more than 10, you know, it was a joint family. So my father was a great example for me. And back then I didn't think, but now he's been, you know, gone since 2005. Mm. But every single day I talk about that, think about it and say, Dad, it's your stubbornness. It's your uh, thing that makes me want to move forward. I can't walk away from an opportunity to serve the community. Sounds very entrepreneurial as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he sent us all 10,000 miles away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and said, you know, go pursue your dream. And if uh, it it does not work out, it's Mm -hmm. not a failure. Come right right back. Nobody can tell you that, you know, you're a failure. What a great dad. Yeah. Wow. That's great support. Um, Paul... I understand that you and Latha uh, were first friends, business partners later. Um, how did you first connect, and what's kept you friends for so many years? Latha uh, and Krishna, her husband, had a fundraiser for me in Nashua in one of my campaigns. I, I don't remember which one. May, <laughs> maybe the first one, maybe the second one, maybe the third one. First one? Details. First one. That was really early on because I ran twice twice before I got elected to Congress. So Latha did a very early fundraiser. I have no... It was somebody in Nashua who connected me to Lata with whom I had worked on an organization called Beyond War in the early 80s designed mm-hmm. to uh, help educate people that you couldn't solve conflict with nuclear war. It just wouldn't work because the whole place will blow up. So that friend introduced me to Lata, who held a fundraiser for me, very successful, mm-hmm. and met a lot of really interesting people in the Nashua community. And I, I got she fe- she fed me. And once she once she feeds you, you're done. Oh. It's over. You're friends for life. I love she, it. She fed me, and That's we've been beautiful. friends ever since. I like that. She fed you. Now, obviously, you both have heard the call of service and, uh, you know, had these uh, terrific political careers. Can you talk a bit about what drew each of you to the world of politics and then through that, how you got involved in energy legislation and policy? So in 2005, 
I had just finished my one-year term, four years uh, in on school board. I was just getting off of it. And so at that time, U.S.-India Political Action Committee chair in D.C. contacted me and said, can you uh, head the PAC? And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but let me take a look. <laughs> they said, before you take a hiatus and kind of go away from politics, uh, you know, we want you. And that's when Paul came and, you know, we hosted the uh, uh, fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And um, then I thought, hmm, you know, having served on the school board, I've realized how important it is to be at the decision-making table. Mm-hmm. And, you know, politics... Uh, from the very early on, I was kind of raised to say politics is dirty, so politicians are not to be trusted. So that was a challenge for me to say, okay, if I can be a clean, transparent polit- uh, politician. And then, of course, I saw Paul, he got elected. And to see him work as a congressman and still maintain that human humanity and, you know, it just gave me that hope and uh, thing to say, yes, you can be in politics and can be a good, influential politician and make policies. So, you know, he I'm continued. Touched. That's very moving. <laughs> That's very moving. To, you know, I mean, if, you, if, if in your life you can influence one person for good, that's very, very powerful. If something you do leaves that legacy, that's really, really crucial. And so, I mean, here we are now partners. And believe me, this is not always easy. <laughs> but it is not always easy. But, but and because mm-hmm. we share a bond about making the world a better place and trying to do something that really does make a difference cuz that's what drew not that that's what drew me uh, you know it was the middle of the uh, the Iraq war I was in Congress, I was in uh, Concord and I had been the chair of the Capitol Center for the Arts and I figured if I could help bring a community together, help bring a community along with the team, bring a community together to make the change that said, we deserve to have this world-class arts center in Concord, New Hampshire. If we could help change the way people thought about this, given what we were facing politically, I said, okay, I'll be an accidental congressman and I'll see if I can help do something in 2004, 2006. And I had to get the papers to stop calling me a kiddie rock star. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to Congress as a statesman. So, but actually, you know. Kiddie rock star. I, gonna, I have stories dig into I could that tell. in a little while. Here, but anyway, but, so that's how yeah. I got into politics. (laughs) And so what were some of the energy policies that you've each worked on that has, um, before we start talking about Shanti Energy, that has informed what you're doing now? So in 2018, December, uh, Christmas Eve, Mm -hmm. I had a friend from the Indian community knock on the door with this uh, king, you know, who's now we know is called as the king of net zero at my door. And they walked up and said, you know, you've been a a state legislator. We know New Hampshire is a very prime uh, space for renewable energy because you don't have any or much. And it's a beautiful uh, 
state and, you know, we could bring something. And especially you have very historic buildings, old mill buildings that we can convert that into a net zero apartment kind of thing. So I, I just looked and said, sure, you know, if it's going to, just like Paul said, if it's going to help my community, this is my home. You know, I've lived in Nashville for over 35 years now. My kids were born and raised here. So I said, if I can give back to my community in whatever way and help the climate change. I said, okay, sure. And, you know, I called uh, Paul and I said, Paul, you know, this was in June of 2019, mm-hmm. right? I said, Paul, you know, I have this uh, individual that is from the Indian community, and he's very well known in Midwest, and he's saying we can do this. I think it makes, like, a lot of sense. Can we do something together? He said, you know, he usually teases me because before that I would call him up as a congressman, former congressman, can you come to the round table? I have this 25 visiting delegates from India, trade and, you know, elected official. He has never said no to anything. So in one year, the first year after I got elected, 2014-15, I hosted five round tables, five 25 member roundtables, oh and Paul, Paul was, there was there for everything. And by the third one, you said, you don't need me, love. <laughs> you can do it. Like, no, I need you. <laughs> Moral support of nothing Moral else. Moral support, right? and I could bounce it off of you. Nice. nice. <laughs> so that's, you know, it's like gone back and forth. And, you know, and of course, his wife, Pego, is a good friend, too. What a great voice. And, you know, the four of us have had some good times. And I went to Congress talking about energy and renewable energy and the need to turn the ship around before we run aground. And uh, I went there and I was on the Financial Services Committee during the financial meltdown. um, And there was a big energy bill headed for the floor. I wrote provisions that actually turned banks into educational and informational centers about making improvements, energy efficiency improvements to your home. Why not? Because that's where people go to get the money to make make the changes. So mm-hmm. let's educate them about what and who was available. Um, and I also wrote into this energy bill provisions to change the way mortgages uh, for homes with solar or other renewable energy were treated. So uh, I was vice chair with Jay Inslee of the House Energy Caucus. Mm-hmm. And so it's been it's been on my mind for a long time. So when Latha called and said, okay, let's, let's uh, change the way New Hampshire does renewable energy, I said, great, let's wow. go. Wow. So we and, started, we uh-huh. introduced actually in 2019-20 session. We were in majority, Democrats were in majority. We introduced, uh, I introduced a PACE legislation, PACE's uh, um, property, assessed. property assessed clean energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, in uh, New Hampshire in 2015, there was a PACE legislation which was run by Carnegie Foundation, and it was one individual. And Nashua was one of the communities, Dover was, and then the RSA 53A was written so, you know, very, very convoluted. Uh, resolution. Mm -hmm. So we worked with the National Pace Nation representative 
for good six months, going back and forth, and he would say, I have never seen, there are 33 other states that have PACE legislation on the books. I have never seen anything so muddied mm-hmm. in United States. So Paul and I took that as a challenge. Uh, yes, <laughs> we did. would spend hours on the uh, phone and then back and forth. And, you know, we fought really hard. And then it died a COVID death because mm. it was tabled at the full uh, house mm-hmm. in uh, 2000. Uh, 1920. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so now our aspirations are very simple. Save the planet one, <laughs> one panel at a time. We'll be right back with Paul and Latha. McLean Middleton is a full-service law firm with over 100 attorneys and 25 paralegals throughout its five offices in Manchester, Concord, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. For over 100 years, they've been providing exceptional legal services to businesses, individuals, and nonprofit organizations across the region. Visit McLean.com for a complete list of practice areas and attorneys. We're back with Paul Hodes and Latha Manjapudi from Shanti Energy. So let's talk about Shanti Energy and what it is and, and why it started and how it works. Um, Shanti's a consultancy. We help bring parties to the table to do the kinds of um, uh, renewable energy and net zero projects that uh, people sometimes don't see as possible uh, until we introduce the idea. So that means bringing together uh, developers and investors of renewable energy and net zero real estate together with the local people who can install it together with the either the companies or the municipalities or other institutions who don't really know where to start when it comes to important projects uh, of this kind. So mm-hmm. we're, we, we call ourselves consultants and we're really the deal makers. Yeah, it's also the fact that, you know, municipalities, New Hampshire loves live free or die. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. But we also are very um, kind of resistance to change. Yes. We used to yes, be yes, a cutting edge. We used to be <laughs> the headwinds. We had the headwinds, New Hampshire advantage. Mm-hmm. We have lost that advantage. And we are trailing behind, you know. And uh, when I look at it, I'm like, it shouldn't be that way. For example, you know, we were one of the first states to take the lead in closing the state school, Laconia mm-hmm. State School, mm-hmm. and integrating them into uh, communities. And I was on the team. I was a speech pathologist at that mm-hmm. time. That was my first, uh, one of the first jobs. I was at Southern National Memorial Hospital as a speech pathologist, went to Laconia State School, got people out of the state school and integrated them into the neighborhood schools. So we were in lead and we did a great job and the rest of the nation followed. But we are, when you think about the clean energy, Our clean energy source, renewable energy, is 0.05. And our last 10-year energy plan in the state said by 2025 will be 25% renewable. We are not even there. 0.05. You know, the the way I'm thinking about it, beyond the statistics Mm -hmm. uh, and the politics of it all, Mm -hmm. New Hampshire is a place where the notion of Yankee ingenuity and entrepreneurship was born. So... 
this isn't about being negative. It's a total positive. We are the place that innovation and ingenuity are born. And there are lots of businesses in disparate ways who are contributing to a tech economy in New Hampshire and who are moving that. But as a, as a brand, as a consciousness, as a thought for the state, I don't think we're really appreciating the sense of Yankee ingenuity. If we want to have a New Hampshire advantage and be New Hampshire first, let's be the place where innovation and progress takes us because the market has spoken. The people in this legislature who are not uh, in sync with the market are dinosaurs. And I don't care whatever political party they belong to, they're absolute dinosaurs because the market has spoken. The automobile manufacturers are going to be electric in less Uh than a decade. Um, We've got to do something about climate change. 99.9% of scientists say it. And anybody who's in the pocket of anybody else who doesn't move that forward is a dinosaur. And those consequences consequences will happen. But as a brand, we should be all about Yankee ingenuity, entrepreneurship, find every way to move past it. Why should we suck the tailwind of Vermont and Maine who are taking the kinds of steps that build economies, create good jobs, and make this a place people want to live and work and stay? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, just like you, my father would say, mm, you know, go do mm-hmm. the, in the larger community, help the larger community, serve the larger community. I'm thinking, I have to answer to my children. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm the first That's time powerful. grandmother, mm-hmm. and we have an eight, eight-week-old grandson. That's wonderful. And so I look at him, and I talk about it publicly and I say to my children, I said, I want my children and grandchildren to think of this grandmother who did something in her own little way. She was not just a bystander mm-hmm. and watched the world go by. That's not the legacy I want to live. No. So, you know, if I have to fight, stand up and be heard, I will. Well, let's provide the listeners with a little bit of context, too. You've talked about how New Hampshire is behind when it comes to sustainable energy portfolios. So what, how, how do we compare? What are the, you know, are, is New Hampshire's energy portfolio compared to that of our New England neighbors? Just take Vermont. It's half the size of uh, New Hampshire in population, half the small size. Their renewable energy is 30% from renewable energy. Wow. As a state, we are 0.05%. Just, just one small That's state. all you need to know at this point mm-hmm. in, in, in human history. That's about it, right? Because it, the, change, the change has got to happen, and we're not, we've just begun to scratch the surface. Right. The good news is we've just begun to scratch the surface. Well, so right. if you're a startup like Shanti Energy, a mm-hmm. consultancy with numbers of projects brewing, trying yeah. to really do things on a significant scale, that's good news because from where we sit, there's tremendous opportunity for people to take advantage of what we and others in the renewable energy and energy efficiency field can do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time. I mean, just take a look at what passed the House of Representatives this uh, this uh, session. Yeah. This yes. session, right? Was it yesterday? That the uh, that the infrastructure bill passed. I mean, there is significant investment going to be made, and folks in business. I'm hoping 
Folks in business, the people who read your publication are thinking about what they can do in terms of not just quarterly investments, because mm-hmm. you got to think about this as, okay, we're out to really help the planet and save money. Take a longer term view and think about what you can do. Every single person, every business to get on, the, get on, get with the program yes. and let's, yeah. let's turn this thing around. Yeah. Look, so, look, our first project. Uh-huh was the International Car Good, I was going to ask you about projects, so go right into that. So that, you know, they are the first dealership in state of New Hampshire to go 90% solar. So, you know, and that was our first project. We brought our KW uh, partners and, uh, you know, 90% of their, the two dealerships, Audi and Porsche, are side by side. Mm And we were looking and, you know, the engineers were saying, okay, we, you know, this is how many panels we can put on the two rooftops and it won't go beyond 40%. Then we were working, uh, walking around on the site. There was three um, storage of structure mm-hmm. in, on the campus. And I said, who does that belong? They said, oh, that belongs to us. And I said, can we put solar because the consumption is mm-hmm. zero. Mm-hmm. It's a storage uh, unit. And they said, huh, that's a good idea. Let's look at, get the structural engineer. That added 50%. Wow. So, I mean, it's exciting. Not only the owners have it for the dealership, they also have it in their own home, mm-hmm. which is, of course, in Massachusetts. But somebody, uh, you know, the business uh owner Mm -hmm. saying, this is what we want to do. Not only does it save money for us, energy costs, you have to pay energy costs anyways, it's going up. So you put initial investment could be they paid for everything. Uh So initial investment is there, but their return is less than six, seven years. Our portfolio of projects that we're working on is pretty interesting because it also goes beyond solar. We're looking at a very large scale um, development of net zero residential, commercial, recreational hospitality space uh, on a huge piece of land. Uh We're looking at ground-based solar arrays in a number of places. Uh, We've made, you know, including um, uh, potential Superfund sites. Um, we have uh, some innovative energy to address municipal solid waste issues. Um, the portfolio is significant, and we're talking to, we're able to, you know, we've, we're talking, we've made friends in government in a perfectly appropriate way just because we were around government. Right. So, right. We, so we know how understand how it works, yeah. exactly. We, we, yeah. we know the pressures and issues and challenges uh-huh. that uh, county governments and municipal governments face, both in their process for, for trying to get proposals in and in the politics of dealing with their constituents. So we're talking to counties and municipalities about a really significant uh, uh, programs that will help the people of New Hampshire, help their constituents in their daily lives, save money, save energy, and move things in the right direction. So three things for Shanti that's very important is we know climate climate crisis is Mm -hmm. real. Mm -hmm. And second is we are New England state energy costs. And that is a huge thing for folks. 
my neighbors, my constituency, mm-hmm. my backyard, and also our waste management, our you know PFOAs, you mm-hmm. know PFAS yes. contamination, landfill issues, and groundwater contamination. All these things are real. You know, I am one among four hundred in the state house, but. I get calls on a daily basis, you know, an issue with this or, you know, immigration or, and I say, I am, I'm just a state legislator, but I feel the responsibility. You talked about my uh, Indian American heritage, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. that, I feel like I have the added responsibility for who I am and my background, and I'm a first-generation immigrant, and I'm, I'm proud of it. And I have this opportunity to solve problems for a lot of people. Another huge thing is healthcare, right? How all these things comes into as a human being. We can't compartmentalize, okay, you are a politician, you're a mother, you're, you know, uh, so these roles cannot combine. It is the same person playing different roles. Right, right. Advocating for different things. Advocating for different things. And I think Shanti brings that together. Mm -hmm. Peace and harmony. How do we build peace and harmony within us Mm -hmm. and around us? Nice. Isn't that... The, how uh, the Shanti is defined yes. as well? Is it Sanskrit? Yes. yes. It's a Sanskrit means peace. And every um, hymn or every Sanskrit verse uh, ends with Om Shanti, 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 three times. First Shanti is loud for the peace in the large world. Second one is medium, and that is for the immediate surrounding. Third one is soft, which is peace within you. Wow. That's lovely. That is lovely. There's so much in, in words and the way that they're constructed. Thank and you for sharing that. that's what binds us together because mm-hmm. our core values of who we are as human, and you know, we could disagree, we can have a very heated debate, but we can walk away and say, our core value still is the same. Yes. And that's why we are partners of, you know, for two years, over two years in a... It's a very loud partnership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it's a very loud partnership. Well, yeah, and it, you know, it, it, it is a partnership, and that, that is what partnerships are, are built on, is, is the ability to disagree, but then walk away and still yeah. come back to the table tomorrow and go, okay, eye on the prize. Yeah, We, yeah. we actually process things very, very differently. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, so you could look at that as, oh my goodness, how are they going to get along? Or, okay, so you process things very differently. You, your brains work very differently. You better learn to respect, understand how that other person's brain works so that when they say, this is how I'm thinking, and you say, no, this is how I'm thinking uh-huh. the two of you at least can understand what's going on for the other person yeah. and then say okay well let's just then we'll figure out that what's what's that other third way or the right way given this is what we're both thinking and so far so far, so good. I love it. I know you can't. You both showed up today, so yes. that's a plus. And the thing is, right? we'll say our famous word is. Uh, Paul will tell me it's not about you, Lafa. And I said, Paul, my brain works this way. <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. I love it. Let me think about. Let me 
think it through and let me tell you how my brain is thinking. And he would say, okay. I love it. I want to back up for a minute because um, you, besides this work that you're doing, the focus that you have, um, you both have had different starts or, or, or different interests. In the, ca- in the case of Paul, um, I understand that you are an advocate for the arts. You're an artist yourself um, and have an arts, art, artistic family, uh, as it were, and maybe some cool stories around that. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, and Latha, you had alluded to it earlier that you um, were, I believe, a therapist. Is that correct? Um, and I'd love to hear to kind of um, take us out on, if you will, those personal stories of who you guys are. Paul, I'm going to start with you because I, I, I wonder how deep we have to go and when we'll get to the story that I want to hear about. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, for some reason, when I was a kid, I was determined to be an actor. And uh, it was trained as, I was trained as an actor. I've had a career in theater, in film, in television, in radio currently, um, in music as mm-hmm. a performing artist, producer, engineer. Uh, singer, songwriter. My wife and I pioneered rock and roll for kids and families. Nice. When we had little babies, I'm still performing and writing um, uh, rock and roll songs, which my latest tune is called The Night I Met John Lennon. Oh. Uh, it's about a, an evening in 1971, 50 years ago. And uh, your listeners are going to have to tune in somewhere else to hear it or the story, <laughs> story around it. Um, wow. uh, but it's, uh, we had a lot of fun. And it was mixed by my son, Max, who went uh-huh. to Berkeley and is now out in Oakland um, doing rock and roll and mixing, mixing records. So... What goes around comes around. I'm in a, I'm in a musical family. You My are. daughter Ariana is a singer-songwriter. Pego is a singer who conducts song weavers at Concord Community Music School. And I sit on the National Council on the Arts, uh, which oversees the National Endowment of the Arts, appointed by President Obama in 2012. So... Mm. I stay involved. Yes, you do. You find ways to stay involved and make change. That's awesome. Awesome. So, Latha, tell us about that background. That, um, um, so, I came to this country in 85. Mm-hmm. I had my master's in speech and hearing and audiology. So, my goal was to become, uh, do my PhD with behavior neurosciences and go back to India and start a school for the children with autism. So, that's why my passion is in was Mm -hmm. back then. So I did enroll and, you know, rolled back and I got married. I had two kids. So by the time my second son came around, we had moved to Nashua and my PhD coursework was done. Hadn't finished the thesis. So I teased my kids. They are my thesis. So I never (laughs) finished that. (laughs) So I ended up working as speech pathologist and audiologist in and around. I was drawn towards uh, DD population. And I consulted and provided uh, speech therapy for nonverbal and um, multiply handicapped uh, individuals. Then it was a Simon Street Regional School, mm-hmm. which was a segregated school. And in the early 90s, 89, I started there. And by 95, uh, you know, the Laconia State School was closed. And I was part of the initial team that went and got people out of Laconia State School. I would go to all the public schools, elementary, middle school, high school, with individuals that were going to be integrated into the neighborhood school. So, I mean, I loved it. And, you know, I thrived on, you know, being there with the people. It mm-hmm. made me part of the community. Yes. 
And so, and then in 2015, um, with the Nashua Center, I started the classic in-home care, uh, non-medical in-home care for the elderly, because I saw that there were so many people with Alzheimer's. And, you know, being New England uh, state, with winter, seniors were having a hard time getting around. So I did that for from uh, 2015 to um, 2005 to 2015, uh-huh. 11. So it was, um, you know, it was a fascinating journey. I had people with Alzheimer's, five of them. I provided uh, support for uh, individuals with caregivers. So I had, uh, my favorite was uh, Mama Shana, I called her, and she called me the Shana Poonam. She was a Jewish lady, and Kaplan, she was my first live-in. And she taught me about, you know, I had to learn about Judaism mm-hmm. and all the ho- holidays, the kosher. I would take her out to, and she was very politically involved. That's why we're. That's why we're partners. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And so she, I would take her. So this <clears throat> one thing I have to say. So I took her to. Uh, the then Senator Betty Lasky's house when Obama came first to New Hampshire to the house party. And she was, you know, she couldn't remember. I took the book, uh, Obama's uh, Audacity of Hope, mm-hmm. with his picture on, gave it to her so that would remind her who we are meeting. Mm-hmm. So she walked into the house and says, I'm telling you, you have to have uh, Hillary Clinton as a co-president, not as vice. You get two for the price of one. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, Obama just looked at her and, ma'am, I'm trying to be the president. And I just looked at him. I said, and she said, what did you say? And <laughs> I'm like, nothing, nothing. I'm just telling you how wonderful you are. Oh, I love it. And so he just signed it. that. And so, you know, what really brought me is being in politics, being involved. She showed me how engaged you can be with short memory of two seconds. Two seconds mm-hmm. of memory, mm-hmm. but it was very intense. The clarity came through. She did the same thing when I hosted uh, uh, Evan Bai in her house. She said, what do you have for a solution for a holy land? What is your solution? She finished a sentence. She couldn't hold her attention to mm. listen to the answer, mm-hmm. but she knew the question to ask. Wow. So, I mean, I have been very fortunate that I have good mentors or role models to follow. Right. You know, starting with my dad and coming yes. here in a form, yeah. you know, what gives me the courage or the inner strength to say, you know what, I look different. I can't change how I look. I can't change who I came from. But I know what I believe, and it's the core value we all share. That's beautiful. That's shared. Thank you. I think um, I could speak for Matt to say that uh, we're both glad that you are who you are and that you're doing the work you're doing. Uh, Latha Manjapudi and Paul Hodes with Shanti Energy. Thank you so much for joining us, telling your stories and and, uh, putting out that passion that you have for the subject. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for including us. Thank you to both of you. this conversation. Thank you.
And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. And here's what businesses are buzzing about this week. Uh, Energy Savings and Industrial Competitiveness Act is going to be really important for the Granite State as we are, you know, as everyone knows, we're high cost for energy. And so uh, this act that cleared the U.S. House of Reps and is part of the Infrastructure uh, Investment and Jobs Act is um, as we speak, and may by the time you're hearing this, already have cleared uh, President Biden's desk. So what's important about this act is it's uh, set out to improve energy efficiency in three key sectors, buildings, industrial, and the federal government. And so some of the key provisions of this act is there's going to be $120 million from fiscal year 2022 to 2026 to fund centers that identify opportunities for optimizing energy efficiency at manufacturing and industrial facilities. And manufacturing is one of our big sectors, so helping them get more energy efficient is going to help us all. There's going to be $45 million annual grant program between, again, fiscal year 2022 2022 and 2026 to implement cost-effective building codes for efficiency and resilience. Uh, $10 million grant program for fiscal year 2022 for higher education facilities to establish building training and assessment centers to implement modern building technologies. And also a $10 million grant program to invest in career training programs for students to receive certificates to build energy efficiency building technologies. So that's going to be a great opportunity for people changing careers and our students just coming out in the market to really get into a hot space. Uh, And it's also going to create um, a technical assessments for manufacturers to maximize energy efficiency, prevent pollution, improve water usage, conserve natural resources, and more. So uh, lots of interesting things that are included in this act that our businesses can take advantage of. And that's the buzz this week. Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. Back in May of this year, Forbes came out with their top five workplace benefits that are on the rise, according to employees. Um, Matt, any guess as to number one? I know what I want, beer on tap. But, beer on tap. Um, okay. Childcare, I th- would have to think, is up there. You are correct. Yeah, childcare and family benefits are number one. Woohoo! Yeah. Exactly. Well done, Matt. Well done. Thanks for paying attention. I feel like I just went one family feud. You you did, actually. That's the whole thing. Uh, The rest of that list, guys, home office expenses. We know why that's a big one, because so many folks have transitioned to working from home, either permanently or or in a hybrid model. Um, Mental health support. I love that one because there's not enough people in the world who talk about supporting mental health, you know, seeing a counselor, making it better, right? We go to the doctor when we have something wrong with us. Why wouldn't we go, you know, physically wrong with us? Why wouldn't we go see a mental health counselor when we have something that we just want to get off or or we need to work through? Come on, guys. So mental health support is huge. I love that. Um, and I really hope that employers are hearing that too and, and heeding that advice. Uh, number four, we're remote work and flexible schedules, sort of Again, going with the, you know, the past 18 plus months of our lives and how things have changed. Number five was really interesting to me. And I want to harp on this one for a little bit because it was neat. But employee resource groups. You've heard of these, right, Matt? Yes. They call them ERGs, of course, because everything gets abbreviated right away. Um, But essentially, these are employee-led groups that provide resources, support, or even professional development. Um, 
and they're they're a key right now, a key element to companies for being more inclusive and more diverse. Um, and they're usually groups of them, or each of these groups share a characteristic. It could be ethnicity, it could be lifestyle, it could be interest or other things, right? That's how they're made up. And overall, um, making the work environment better for employees, and really in the end, Im- improving retention um, and a you know, better culture, better work environment. Um, there's a lot of information about there about ERGs. I was doing a little bit more prep and and f- trying to find some great details for you guys, but I would say. Um, most importantly, though, it's um, the, the ERG has got to be something that management and ownership are 100 percent behind. Right, Matt? Absolutely. Because it if it's not otherwise. coming from the top, it's not going to last. It's not going to be as effective. Um, but then they're, you know, they're they're willing those those folks that are supporting it, they're they're willing then to give the reins to those employees to say, oh, OK, you guys run this. You guys tell us what you need. Fund it. You know, create the space for it, as it were, physical or or otherwise. Um, anyway, I think it's a great idea. I hope you do too, Matt. All of our listeners, I really hope you do. And I hope as you plan strategically for the future of your company, you consider all of those benefits listed above and stand a hundred percent behind the ones that work for you and your team that will grow your business. Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner, now offering free coffee and free childcare to all one of our employees. Find out more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com, or on social at cardinalconsultingnh. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.